Hey, listeners. We wanted to begin this episode by letting you know that Black Lives Matter. It's as simple as that. We as theater artists would be nowhere without the influence and collaboration of Black and Indigenous creators. Theater as an art form would be nothing without the influence and collaboration of Black and Indigenous artists. To our Black, Indigenous, and other listeners of color, we love you. We stand with you. We promise to educate ourselves in every way possible and to amplify your voices to no end. To our white listeners, please take time to learn. Educate yourself and those around you. Challenge your own privilege. No matter what level of woke you believe you have achieved, there is always more work that can be done. In the show notes, you can find a link to a link tree for a massive list of educational resources and a spreadsheet of all of the Black-owned businesses in Los Angeles. That's for you to support uh, if you're local or, you know, when you come to visit us. You can check out our Instagram as well for more info and resources. As a podcast, Theater Theater had already planned to highlight Black playwrights in our first season, but... We had initially planned to have guests for each one, and unfortunately, and fortunately, we are a social distancing podcast, so once we are able to be in the same room with our guests and not have to deal with the demonic Zoom recordings, we will begin our Black Playwright Spotlight. Until then, we will continue to pursue choosing diverse playwrights to cover that we feel qualified to discuss amongst the three of us. To celebrate the midway point of Pride Month, today we're covering Tony Kushner. A playwright who you know, even if you don't think you do. Please enjoy. Black Lives Matter. We love you. The theater, the theater. Theater, theater. all of his plays is it's a little long it's a little <laughs> long and it's it's not long for for just for no reason it's right. that he's he is a great mind filled with knowledge and information and he's you can feel him even in the shows that don't fully work like yeah. slavs which will come up to next doesn't fully work for me it's filled with brilliant moments but Sure. Um, and it's interesting because I think in both Munich and Lincoln, um, uh, he gets, he, he there's a balancing act that help, that happens with Spielberg and Spielberg's sort of, um, idealism, um, that I Well, find let's get into that. Cause I know that Scott has some opinions on... <laughs> Spielberg, specifically on Lincoln, I also have a lot of opinions on Spielberg, um, and I actually recently sort of watched through a lot of his filmography uh, because I listened to a, another podcast that does director's filmographies called Blank Check. Shout out to Blank Check with Griffin and Blank Check. Um, I like all the Star Wars episodes. Yeah, they're Star Wars episodes. They started out as a Star Wars podcast only talking about the prequels as if they existed outside of the original trilogy, and it's great. But it's then they brilliant. started talking about uh, director's filmographies, and so 
I watched through all of the uh, filmographies that they go through, and I did the Spielberg one, which they started at the DreamWorks era, the Amblin era, after um, when he's actually producing his own films, because he just has fucking all of all the things so it didn't include things like hook and jaws and those kind of things that we all have opinions on um i would love to hear first of all because we did a a live texting a live tweeting of munich the other night which i want to start talking about munich and then we can go into spielberg and stuff because i know this will lead into spielberg talk (laughs) but i really loved watching this with you with you guys the other night even though it's a three-hour film about uh assassin revenge revenge assassinated crazy moment (laughs) in history crazy i mean the beginning of it anyway all of um it's insane groovy so munich yeah so the first thing i want to say about munich is uh awkward sex (laughs) (laughs) that was the second sex scene eric bana sex He does. Spielberg does not handle intimacy well at all. You know what? What's interesting is stick to like Indiana Jones type shit. But that's the thing is he's he's never put fucking sex scenes in any of his. Name another Spielberg sex scene. There's no other Spielberg sex scenes, and he he does it in this one. And maybe it's because it's the Kushner script, but he does. There's that hot scene in Lincoln. What the fuck are you talking about? The hot Lincoln scene. (laughs) Right, when Joseph Gordon-Levitt... Sally Field getting plowed by uh, Daniel (laughs) Day-Lewis. That was like listening to the JFK episodes of last podcast on the left and any time they talked about Marilyn Monroe. (laughs) Oh, God, Marilyn. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. (laughs) Sorry. I'm sorry. Shout out to last podcast on the left, though. I That's love real. Them. They're amazing. Zabrowski. They're also, I, I, you know, you guys have tried to get me to listen to them plenty of times, and I have a few times, but I always start in their early episodes, and it's hard to listen no. to. No, 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 no. It's hard to Do listen like to. Do like Rasputin okay. or Jim Jones. Or... I'll pick it up. Yeah. Their BTK episode was upsetting, being from Kansas. It's old. It's, it's old, and they were old. dumb back then. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Anyway, sorry. But, but. But I will say this, you know, Spielberg is one of those people who who has um, infamously, you know, sort of always familyized or blockbusterized everything that he's been given. And Munich is one of those uh, that I would argue he really steps out of his comfort zone to make. And, I, I, uh, agree. I, like I agree. And, and it's it's um, it, it was so refreshing. And I was hoping <laughs> that he would change. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, you know what it is, is that I just got cynical uh, as, as I grew old and I grew up with Spielberg, you know, and, um, Mm -hmm. uh, but there's a, my biggest criticism of him isn't his idealism or his, you know, fancifulness or any of that. I I love all of that. It's, there's a point where he doesn't trust his audience and I'll give you a perfect example, Lincoln I swear to God, that fucking, the vote counting scene drives me so mad at how stupid he thinks that I am, that I can't count. I know what's going on. It's also, you've also, you've set it up. 
directly out of the musical 1776. <laughs> like, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, where I'm, like, sitting there, like, I've seen this before. Can you get over this? Like, we know it has. I have, by the way, a very special Lincoln story, and y'all should just tell me when you want to hear it. That's all. Oh, I actually think we should talk about Lincoln after we talk about Munich. Perfect. Because I want to set up, like, a little bit of the scene for Munich, so because this is really interesting. So the original script... For Munich, okay. I'm not talking about the the. Obviously, there is the historical aspect of Munich that is true and it's crazy, and everyone mm-hmm. should look it up and watch the movie and all these things. Mm. But what's really exciting um, is that the original script of Munich was written by Eric Roth, mm. who also wrote Forrest Gump, mm-hmm. what? and also wrote uh, Post The Postman with Kevin Costner. And like okay. Horse Whisperer um, and Benjamin Button and like things like this, right? There's a so, Webster grad in Benjamin Button. So there was... Uh, turn it down. <laughs> did you know that the original Benjamin Button was supposed to be a Spielberg Cruise, Tom Cruise film? Oh my God. Thank really? Christ that didn't happen. The original was I like to be ben- I like Benjamin Button. I like Benjamin Button. Yeah. It's a weird Fincher. And also, like, I rewatched it recently and I was like, oh, yeah, Mahershala Ali plays his dad. Mm-hmm. And Taraji P. Henson, this is before both of them, like, blew up. Mm-hmm. And they're incredible. And yeah. anyway, everyone should rewatch that movie. Um, but uh, Eric Roth writes the script. And basically, um, it's, like, so mediocre <laughs> that Spielberg is like, no, we have to find somebody else. So Kushner ends up, like, sending one of his scripts, I can't remember which one, to Spielberg. And Spielberg reads it, and he's like, oh, yeah, this is the guy. I don't even think he knew much about, like, angels or anything like that. And he was just like, all right, let's do it, and brought him in. And so that's mm. how Kushner actually ended up um writing it but the first script by Roth apparently was just really fluffy and kind of terrible and it was given to oh oh excuse me it was given to Kushner as a punch up and oh. Kushner ended up rewriting it from page 1 basically. I know a guy he punches <laughs> scripts up I have I have like a very basic logistical question yeah. yeah where does this fall in his career was this like his first what year was this screenplay 20... it was 2005 2005 so it was a few years after, um, uh, okay, okay. So Was it his first big screen thing? Yes. Yes. Okay. Besides okay. Angels okay. having been made into a series. Yeah, which he, he, right. Did, right, he, right, did right. The, uh, he did do the adaptation. But it was like first one on the silver screen, yeah. right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Because and I think, okay. yeah, I don't, like, I can't, what, what makes that movie work for me, and I forgot how good it was. It's a, god damn, it's a good so looking, good. it's a oh good looking movie. Yeah. All the performances in it are so marvelously subtle. Dare I say the only movie where I like Eric Bana? Like, <laughs> I, I like Eric Bana, but uh, I, 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 Name I, another I, movie I, he's good in. Name another. I, Star Trek. Oh. oh, yeah, sure. He's good in Star Trek. Okay. He's the Romulan, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's fine in that. <laughs> I saw this. I saw this my senior you're getting year. Good funny people. Sorry, go ahead, see. I saw this my senior year in college and it's the first movie that I ever saw by myself. Wow, Weird. interesting. I yeah. was supposed to go with someone and I can't remember who. I vaguely remember it was a guy and he backed out last minute and then I went by myself. Huh. The first movie I ever saw by myself was Full Metal Jacket. Oh shit! Are you serious? Yeah, I was like, "Are you serious?" I was like, "I just know the I South think, Park." Episode. I think I was four, fourteen or fifteen. 
Oh my and, god! And that's, like, that's in my top five movies of all time. It's, it's that's crazy. Fucking... That's the crazy animated one with the floppy no, boobs the no, whole time. No, no, no. wait, that's what's that heavy one? metal? <laughs> oh my god! No, Full Metal Jacket is a Kubrick film about the Vietnam War. It's an okay. anti-war film, and it's one of the greatest movies of all time. And you need to like go this, educate yourself right now. I suck at movies. Go educate your fucking okay, face. Okay, fine. Fuck. I'm Vincent D'Onofrio's only good role. Here's the thing. It Everybody is... hates me now. No, I do. In a small way, I do. <laughs> I need you to go watch this film, and then I won't hate you. Uh, I'm not good at violent shit. Vietnam was violent. This um, movie's violent. Here's the any yeah. Anyway, that's amazing. The first movie I ever saw uh, alone was the Peter Pan um the one that came out in like 2003 or whatever that was like a Peter Pan, uh, you know, it was just like a teen young adult. Oh, version of right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, I, I remember Jason I actually Jesus, got right? ditched by people and that's why I was alone. Huh? <laughs> Wasn't Jason, Jason Isaacs in that? Is that Malfoy's dad? Yeah. Yeah. He's the, he's hook and, and Mr. Darling. So interesting. He and Daniel Craig were in the original, original British version British staging of of Angels in America. Who was Daniel Craig? Uh, Daniel Craig was Joe. No shit. Yeah. (laughs) That's interesting casting. Wow. Also fucking uh, amazing moment. Uh, Daniel Craig, first of all, the cast of Munich is insane. (laughs) Jeffrey Rush, too. They're all amazing. Um, Heinz. Every one of them is like sort of spectacular in this movie even if i'm not a huge fan of them i'm a i'm a craig fan i like him but yeah not only does he not look or is he jewish well but he he's also blonde but that same year he made a movie called defiance where he that i was a big fan of where he is a jew taking revenge against nazis in the in the snow yeah (laughs) okay you're blonde hair blue eyed jews yeah, I know, but it's interesting casting because he's not Jewish, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. but he never disappoints. I think he's a, a marvelous actor, and apparently he's fantastic. Oh, so on Knives Out, uh, great! Oh my god, he's uh, so good in that. Fucking, um, uh, he's he's um, Bloomquist and um, in uh, uh, Girl with the Dragon yes. Tattoo, the yeah. Fincher oh, yeah. Dragon Tattoo. Yeah. He's phenomenal in that film. I yeah. love him. So, he's yeah. a great Bond too. Uh, Skyfall is one of the. I think he's. he's great I think. I think he's the best Bond ever. Really, I like. I mean, him I, I can stand by that. I'll the, stand by that. Yeah, yeah. There, there will there there will be Sean Connery people coming after me, but you know, so. Uh. Although well, let's, the, let's the, about, oh, the, well, let's what were we talking? I mean, <laughs> let's let's talk about Banna for a second because Eric Banna, Banna. I don't know. He's also I've always heard Banna. But... Banna. Um, he, he's an interesting one to me because he, this is sort of his like third try at being a leading man, and I think this is his most successful. But like he had Hulk first, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Anybody can fight me on that. It's Ang Lee. It's Ang one Lee. Of the it's great. Masters. His it's, specific his version it's of it. So good. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the Marvel like Cinematic six Universe now, except right? Except that what Hulk. There's movie? like six different cult Hulk. Hulks? I mean, there's there's three people that have played him in the in the Marvel like sort of cinematic thing. But the what's interesting about him is well, okay, we can go down a whole digression <laughs> yeah, about yeah, Hulk. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Basically, <laughs> the the Edward Norton Hulk is a mm-hmm. weirdly not direct sequel that is a direct sequel to the Ang Lee movie. But the Ang Lee movie has nothing to do with the rest of the cinematic universe. But right. the Ang Lee movie is amazing. It's about like father son dynamics, and it's so good. And everyone should go watch it. The CGI does not hold up, but besides that. 
Ang Lee is a fucking uh, master at what he does. Um, and uh, I think <laughs> this movie gave Eric Bana a chance uh, as like a third chance. I can't even think of what the second one was, but the first one was Hulk and it didn't really work. Nobody really bought him as like a leading man. Hmm. And Hollywood after this movie kind of lets go of him. Everything he's in after this, he's an and Eric Bana and he's like a small part, like funny games, uh, uh, Star Trek, all these things. He's never, he's never let a movie again. Um, and I think what's interesting about that is that Munich, he's incredible. In. He's and he's great. I think, I think I think people write off the sex. They 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 think of the sex scene at the end, and they sort of go, "Well, he's bad." And it's like, no, actually, Spielberg's an idiot. But besides that, it's kind of brilliant the way he plays every one of those moments. I think. He's well, great. yeah, and i i will give I will give Spielberg credit for trying to do the scene because I think that the scene is very clearly from Kushner um, and the purpose Mm. of the scene and the intent of the scene. I totally get it's just, I just don't think Spielberg was the right person. It just, it just didn't. Yeah. It just wasn't executable in that way. You know, he's, you know, he's a nerd and, and, um, and he like, I mean, that's the big criticism of, you know, the color purple is that, you know, especially in that yeah, one scene right. that he, you know, he, he just couldn't do it. He just couldn't, you know, beyond, you know, a kiss. He just couldn't bring, bring himself to do it. And he, he's admitted, he's like, I just wasn't comfortable to do it. And, you know, um, he's not a very sexual person. That's the show. And I mean, and we'll talk more when we get into Caroline or change, which I know we'll talk about in a second, but uh, about like, who should be telling these stories and things, you know, should Spielberg have been the one to make color purple? But then there's the other question of like, yeah, but, he's the most known director on the planet and he chose to make that movie and well, it got and, seen because he made it. Right. So, that's well, a and it, and it, and it, it, you know, I never would have read Alice Walker, at least not at that point in my life, but it was also just a very strategic move. Like Quincy Jones yeah. produced that movie and went right. to Spielberg because he knew he, he Hollywood wouldn't make that fucking movie. He, right. you know, there, at the time there just wasn't, tragically a, a a black director that that would have that's right that would have been acceptable for a studio to drop that kind of money to do that movie um even f gary gray who you know and like people like that who just yeah who i mean there, were, there were certainly there were certainly yeah, plenty of black Spike filmmakers Lee. but right right but at that point the, that would have handled that size of a movie and you know yeah. so it was it was you know it was it was hedging their bets on and it's a gorgeous looking movie my god like it's beautiful and yeah. he and he there are moments that he nails that are still that still fucking make my skin crawl and 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 all that but there's, back and, to, and it's, he's got a lot of that, like, kind of those Verhoeven moments, if we want to compare it to, like, Robocop <laughs> and like things like that, where he lets you see the gore of getting shot. And the what, things that I don't think Spielberg has done since, like, Jaws, mm. right? Like, I don't think he's done a lot of movies where you see the gore of what's happening. And this one does it. You see it. Mm. Like, it's all very uh, visceral, right? And um, that's a really interesting part of this. Can we talk about the... And and then I actually want to talk about Lincoln a little bit, but can we talk... Unless you guys have anything else to say. Can we talk about the critical reception of this and, like, the Oscars? Because this is a really interesting part of this story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I was just going to say it... it's a fantastic meditation on revenge at a point in, in our country where we were hell-bent on revenge 
and how um, is ethereal the right word? How it's not it's not graspable. There's a, it yeah. won't ever end. The escalation doesn't stop. Well, the final shot. Ephemeral. Munich, yeah. Uh, yeah. The final shot of, of Munich, you know, with the twin towers in the, in the background. Oh my God. Oh yes. My God. Yes. You know, Boy, did they just drive that into your that eyeballs. That kicked me in the nuts the a little bit. Yeah. You know, well, and, and then it's just still there for a while. You know, well, and it, I mean, that's the, re- <laughs> but that's the realization. I think that that's where that right. sex scene comes from. The band is just like, this isn't, it'll never, this won't ever stop. We'll yeah. finish this list of ten, and then there's going to be another list. Like the yeah. lists won't That's right. stop. And, and at what point do we have to stop? And I, I don't want to go down the path of, of talking about you know. We can go down the politics of this. The politics all. of it, you know, which yeah. which Kushner's been criticized for, and and been he has from both sides though, and from I would both argue sides. that's what makes it good, right? Yeah, is because that both sides are taking offense to it, and it's sort of like, yeah, it's a mirror, bitch. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, of course you're taking offense to it. Well, and I read while we were watching it, I just looked up, I looked up critical reviews and stuff and they were talking about like, I just looked at it historically, the whole thing that happened in Munich. And it was like, some think that this is where the conflict began, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, it didn't. It started way before that. Of course. (laughs) You know, no, it was. Started in the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) The Bible. Um, Can we talk, can we talk Oscars for a second? Yeah. So this year is one of the last three or four years where they did only five Best Picture noms, mm-hmm. um, and which I'm a fan of. Me I too. Think, Me too. Yeah, I. It's, I just I don't like the ten. I there was a there's a part of me that gets excited about things like Get Out making it into that ten because they wouldn't if it was just five. Right. But then I'm like, yeah, but Silence of the Lambs made it in when it was just five. Maybe Get Out could. T- you know, mm-hmm. so there's a million different conversations about that. But the best picture nominations this year, by the way, Munich didn't win any of its Oscars. No. Or did it win anything? Yeah, it didn't win any it, of its it, nominations. It did. It was, it was tech stuff or exactly. maybe cinematography it or something. It was yet up for be- best picture against Good Night and Good Luck. Great film. Great film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brokeback Mountain. Great film. One of my favorite films of all time. Also Ang, Ang Lee. Lee. Yeah. Um, and and also like one of those years where we were all like, oh, the Oscars are ready for a fucking, you know, like homosexual straight up like best picture winner. They weren't ready, but we thought they were. But I was rooting for them. Ang Lee does win best director that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have Capote, one of the greatest mm. performances of all time by Philip Seymour Hoffman. And also uh, 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 Catherine, uh, is it Keener? Uh, plays um, yes. uh, Harper, Harper Lee. Lee she's yeah. phenomenal in that film. Uh, and then we have, and Co- I think C- uh, Hoffman wins uh, Best Actor that year for Capote. And then we have uh, Munich, and then we have Crash. Now, Crash, which has been made into a TV series, has won Best Picture this year, and uh, among other things, uh, I think also screenplay and a bunch of other shit. Uh, one of the worst fucking movies of all goddamn time. It was a and I vote. Was it was behind a, that forever. It was a vote split, man. That's what happens sometimes yeah. with those. Which is which was part of the the rationale for expanding the thing. It was the marketing between Brokeback and Munich. You think was the split? 
I think, well, Good Night and Good Luck was was on oh, shit, fire. Right. It was on yeah. fire. People were talking Clooney about Clooney produced it, and it was like a whole... And yeah, Clooney directed it. And Clooney, oh, directed it. Right, right, right. And... and big deal. Big so, deal. you know... Um, you know, I, I think that it just got to the, I think it just split votes. That sucks because crash is not only a terrible film. Uh, it was put on in a class I took in college called inner in, uh, what was it? Inter interdimensional inter- travel. Yeah, that was like, it. Like, uh, no, it was like, like, like it was like, let's talk about Rick like, and Morty. Uh, oh my God. Inter something communication, inter whatever communication. I don't remember what it, cause there, there was different classes and I took that one and it was, um, and I don't remember. It doesn't fucking matter. But the point is that they put on that movie one time just to sort of like, as like, a isn't this so very much what we're talking about? And it was the first time I had ever seen it. And I remember just being so repulsed by the movie. I was like, who is this for? What is this movie for? And then I realized it is made for the rich white executives who feel racial guilt. Mm hmm. It is made for like it is fully that movie, and it is it is like made for the rich white people to feel better about how they are um, in power and systemic racial injustice and all the shit. It is one of the worst movies of all time. I can't believe it won Best Picture. It makes me sick to my stomach. Everyone should go rewatch that movie and tell me it's good. It's not. Uh, the performances are fine. <laughs> Michael Pena comes on the map with that yeah. with that movie. Uh, fucking Sandra Bullock is fine, I guess, in it, but she's like the epitome of what's wrong with the film in terms of character. Matt Dillon, Terrence Matt Howard D- is great. Matt Dillon wins the Oscar. The only actor to win an Oscar from it is Matt Dillon, who plays the racist cop. So I don't know what that tells you about the Academy or about this fucking movie, but everyone should maybe uh, not watch it or watch it if it's free from like a library or something and just don't give it money. Um, But yeah, terrible film. Munich should have won that year or broke back. That's my opinion. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I I think uh, I, I, I think it's again, one of Spielberg's best movies of, the you know after i would argue it's in his top three movies of all time mm, well what are your top three spielbergs because i want to talk about lincoln too what are your what are your top spielbergs if you had to put them in because i know one of mine is not one of yours <laughs> <laughs> i know which one that is his uh his top three are jaws raiders and schindler's Okay. Okay. Uh, Schindler's. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, you know, well, other than other than the the, the very very end of Schindler's, it, you know, it's an undisputable masterpiece until he starts condescending and talking down to me like I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> I don't. I yep. don't need. The, I don't need that tail end of that that movie. I I got it at that point. But yeah. That being said, um, yeah. I mean, I, I think he's he's you know, there's there's some catch me if you can is one of his underrated ones. I love that film. But I, I think when he goes out on a limb is when he's best. It's when he gets wishy-washy. Like, what was yeah. Ready Player One about? Like, Well, I mean, know, that's that the thing. Is like, like, it's like, you know, and modern Spielberg is, has kind of tapped into this weird sort of, he's like, oh, you guys like nostalgia culture? I am nostalgia culture. I'll make a movie about nostalgia culture because yeah. that, mo- that book, Ernest Klein's book, is one of the greatest it is it is of, great of young adult literature yeah it, you have to read it it's it's Great. so 
it's nerd culture in a book and it's the most exciting it's young adult but it's like so exciting to read I, it was the first i when i moved out to la I would sit out on my um, fire escape in Koreatown at the place I was subleasing and I would smoke joints and I would read fucking uh, Ready Player One and I read it twice in the month that I was there because it was just it was everything I wanted in a book and I kept just devouring it and he makes this movie that is just so bastardizing of the book and Mm. so bullshit but it's him trying to be like oh I'm part of that culture that you guys are really into. Let me give in to that and make this movie that's about nostalgia culture. And it just doesn't work in any level whatsoever. And even worse is that the book references a bunch of Spielberg shit and he chose not to reference any of his own shit. And so you're just like, what is the point, you asshole? So it doesn't work. There's like two references that from the book that make it into the movie. Everything else is like new age references that don't matter. And it's all trash. I hate that movie, but I also love the book, so I I understand like what he was doing. Compass. Blah blah blah. <laughs> my top three, yeah, that's right. My top three are Minority Report. Oh, um, I detest that movie. I know. I, I know. Fucking I fucking love that. I disagree. Movie. I, you can't tell me that you don't have it all figured out by the time you finish Max von Sydow's first scene. I know everything. I also can't. That's legit, but you have to understand that when I saw that movie, I was 14, and it blew my fucking mind. Like, I I was like, I couldn't believe I had just seen the movie I had seen. So I think I live in that a little bit. It's a theater experience. Well, also, Tom Cruise isn't a human being, so I can't... (laughs) It's it's only been a few times that he's made me move beyond that, so... For sure. But go ahead, I'm sorry with your list. Uh, Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, But I really... I'm a huge, huge E.T. fan. Oh, I love E.T. It just lives in my bones. E.T. would certainly be in my top five. A close fourth would be Artificial Intelligence for a lot of reasons. I really love that movie. But my number three is a little movie starring Robin Williams about Peter Pan called... You're trying to press my buttons. You're trying to be provocative. No, I want you to know that 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 is one of those movies that I... No, I won't. I won't. I I won't. I was six, and it was Christmas when that that came out. No, I won't. I won't allow your nostalgia to... to, It's so good. I I won't allow your nostalgia to forgive bad (laughs) Tell me why you don't like it, because... Because blank check, the guys on blank check, the Griffin and David also hate Hook. They they really? say it is like one of the worst atrocities to film ever, and I don't understand. Watch it as an adult, Explain like it's him. not it, like it's it's way. I haven't watched it in years. But. It's horribly bloated. It looks awful. It's one of his worst looking movies. It all looks like it was shot in in a garage, like with like <gasps> plastic stuff. Um, I, 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 he, he neuters Robin Williams in, in a weird way. And even when Robin, when the character comes out at the end and is Peter Pan again, like it, it's just, and I just, and, and it's just bloated and awful. And the, he, here's, well, here's another problem. This, and this will lead into Lincoln, if I may, he, there's a point where he stops being able to cast children. For as much yeah. as he loves kids, after E.T., when he starts having kids, which is roughly around 85, 86, his casting of kids, and all of those kids, I can see all of their headshots. 
I can see all yeah. of their just adorable. Didn't they win like a special Oscar or some shit? No, no, no. No, they won some. No, they did. They won some kind of crazy award. The kids in that show won an award. They might have won like a SAG ensemble show. or something. Like, I, you know. if, if SAG gave them an award, then they should be ashamed. Like, it's just. Some of those kids are kind of amazing. One of the kids is Luke, Lucas Haas from, or uh, Luke Haas or whatever his name is from. Um, Witness? Uh, the Witches. The little kid from The Witch. Oh, no, that's Lucas Haas. Lucas Haas is the kid from Witness who ended up being in like Inception and like Solar Babies and shit. What yeah. is the kid from, from The Witches' name? It's, it's. I can't recall. Ah, shit. It doesn't but, that, but, but the kid from the witches ends up being is one of the lost boys and like I I, I really stand a lot of those uh, of those kids when I was a kid um so to segue <laughs> back into Kushner and Lincoln <laughs> although I love the digression but that that's one of the maddening things is the casting of that that little boy in that movie I it, it I've never been rattled out of a fucking movie as hard in my life as that weird, weirdly cat. Now the kid's supposed to be weird in real life, but like, and and Lincoln. Yeah, the 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 one who plays the 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 youngest son. Tad. Yeah. Oh right, Tad right, 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 the one? And the one that screams at the end when he's shot, which is a whole scene that I didn't need. Like so, because you. <laughs> So I generally, <laughs> I should a few say scenes in Lincoln where I was like, you could have left it. Well, he, here's the thing: the wink and the nod when he gets to, when he, when when the guy hands him the hat as he goes to the carriage to go to the theater that night, like that's you could have ended it there. I didn't yeah, need anything. I know, I know what happens, and that's what I'm talking about. I it'll it because I'd like to know exactly what the this because what Kushner does so well I've, in his plays and in Munich he does it brilliantly and in Lincoln he does it brilliantly there's a there's he compresses about a hundred pages of Doris Kearns Goodwin's book that was the basis of Lincoln right into three or four minutes of film and it's it's that yeah. it's it's him as a writer and Spielberg, which Spielberg does so well, and and just you know where you're at, you know. Um, like I said, my problems with Lincoln are really the end. Like I know where to stop. Like you can stop. Yeah, and then that fourth act. It's like sort of it's got three acts, and then it's got this weird like fourth act. This prologue, which is very Tony like, Kushner because he loves. It is. Logs. It's super Kushner, but it's also as an audience member, you're like, we know. Listen, it's sort of what reader. you said, Scott. Yeah, where we're like, no, but we don't need this part. It would have been really cool if you just ended with the like you're going. There's you're going there's the a lot of and then it's over. There's a lot of fascinating political mechanizations that happen um, after Lincoln got assassinated, after he got shot and how he died and all that stuff. But that's almost like a separate movie from what I've, you know, it's almost a separate thing for, sure. for me. Um, um, something exciting about the partnership though of Spielberg and uh, Kushner is that they in this year, I believe in August, no, it might be later October. Um, there's a new adaptation. Apparently it's a new script. So it's not the original OG <sighs> script of West is. Side Story. 
Now, I'm a huge West Side Story stan. Uh, I got my one of my first regional um, theater paychecks of $1,200 a week to play Officer Krupke. I love <laughs> this fucking uh, show. I used to watch the, the Natalie Wood film as a kid on loop. Um, my brother was in it when he was a jet uh, uh, when I, I was a kid. And so I went and saw that and like knew that as a kid growing up. I'm a big West Side Story guy, okay? Uh, I don't know how I feel yet about what they're going to be doing with this, especially because I know it's a new script. However, one of my dearest friends, uh, Ezra Minas, who um, was, actually played uh, Amneris in Aida when I was in Aida in high school, um, they are playing an anybody's in the film. Oh, right on. And I am a huge Duel. fan of Ezra and everything that they've done. And they've been in, in uh, Jagged Little Pill on Broadway, among uh, many wow. other things. And they're an incredible person who uh, I stand hard, hard, hardcore, and uh, everyone should look them up. Um, but they'll be playing uh, Anybody's, which is obviously a very sought after role. Um, and is getting that opportunity, and I could not be more proud of Ezra. So uh, just a shout-out to them. Uh, but besides – and it, that's another exciting part of it is that they are non-binary. Uh, and, Ooh, and, cool. and that's awesome. The, they, them uh, pronouns, and Spielberg's choice to cast anybody's that way is really exciting to me, and I think that might have been a Kushner push or maybe just a uh, fad push, but I, I do like the choice. That's cool. Yeah, I'm I'm – mildly interested i i just when i do the calculus of it it just seems like a bad idea and not it could be horrible not you know? necessary like it's plus i and i love the movie i, I just i just feel like that's a, a, a musical that needs to be done live and and try and do it on film and try and i, I don't yeah, know so and it feels know, like round Jerome round peg yeah, I wonder if they're even going to use the OG Jerome Robbins choreo. That's what I'm actually most worried about because I think that's what makes the show in a lot of ways. Whenever I see new productions of it that try to take it in a different direction choreography-wise, sometimes I'm intrigued, but it never actually takes it to the level that I want it to. But when somebody does the OG choreo, I'm always like, yeah, like snapping in the fucking audience, go like whistling along with them. Like, it's the shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's get off of the, the... Okay, hang on. Hold the fuck on. I have something. I have a quick link in digression. Can I please share? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, so I... Yes. <laughs> I grew up in Illinois. If y'all don't know, it's the land of Lincoln. Illinois. And... You've never mentioned this before. I grew up 12 miles from the county seat of Scott County, Winchester, where he did that debate. Anyway, whatever. So when Lincoln was coming out, all of Illinois was creaming its britches, particularly particularly like the more rural it gets. So I went to the theater with my parents and um, I think it was like a quarter full or something. And anytime Daniel Day-Lewis like leaned back in his chair and started telling a story, you could feel every self-satisfied old white person in that theater like <laughs> lean forward and grin a little bit like that's our guy. And I have never seen so many self-satisfied white people in one room until 
I went and saw the Downton Abbey movie <laughs> this last year, which like I just I love I love Downton Abbey, but yeah, I looked around and everyone was like has Elated. gone through menopause and has yeah. white hair. Oh my god. It was great. All Maggie Smith. Just... Yeah. Oh Maggie. Yeah. Oh Maggie. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh... Anyway, we should we should get back into his plays. Since we well, have let's, let's, let's do it. Well he followed up um um Angels in America, which we talked about. What's that? Uh uh with a little play called Slavs. Thinking about completely... the longstanding problems of virtue Slabs! and happiness. Hold on. Yeah, it's an exclamation the... point, first of all. Slabs. <laughs> slabs. Uh, Is it slobs or slabs? I have to be slobs. straight up about. I have to be straight up about this one. I did not uh, read this one. I was. <gasps> okay. You know, I assigned it, and I ended up re- taking so long to read intelligent. Homosexuals Guide because it's like a 250 uh, four hour fucking show and then I decided to read Bright Room Revisited and so I ended up skipping Slavs and I apologize for that but I want to hear y'all's thoughts on it because I know yeah. very little but I know one like little story about it but besides that I sorry. can make it quick my end of it anyway yeah go for why it why don't we start with your story Beige what's my J-Bage. name Beige Jay Beige I'll take it I've... Um, no, both this and Intelligent Homosexuals Guide were commissioned, um, sort of, um, or actually less commissioned and more like him, like contacting somebody and be like, I have an idea for a play. We should put it up. And they were like, yeah, great. And then they set a bunch of dates and then both this and Intelligent, uh, Homosexuals Guide, he didn't have anything for them, uh, rehearsal day one, like had no scenes. Oh, had nothing ready, had oh, no, no idea what he was going to do. Wow. Just knew what the idea was. And so there's like, he tells all these stories about different people like calling him up and be like, just tell me everything's going to be fine. Don't tell me anything else. And he's like, well, actually. And they're like, nope, just tell me everything. <laughs> is this like, the oh, movie Shakespeare okay. in Love? <laughs> right? No, it really is. Like, it feels that way where he's just like, uh, he's fully Shakespeare in those moments. and it's And it's like, it's kind of hilarious because you think about like the playwright being this like sort of amazing and astute and, and always getting things in on time. And, and it's like, no, they're fucking like, like doofus artists like us. And they're just like, oh, I have this idea. You want to do it? And they're like, you have some success. Let's do it. Write and they're it. Like, okay. But I didn't write it. yet. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I, I think that's, that made me feel so um, akin to him and just like it humanized him in a way to me. And I, that excited me. Mm-hmm. That's exactly yeah. No, no. But that's the um, only story about Slav right now. Yeah. Siege, go ahead. My my dissertation on this is I mean, we're seeing a theme. Arthur Miller did it with Ibsen, right? Like you have these famous playwrights that they have like an older famous playwright that they love and yeah. they end up adapting something like that. And this yeah. is I I liked this play for one-liners and characters, but like reading it, whenever I get to plays like this where there's these Russian names and they're incredibly long, (laughs) I just, I have a hard time reading it. Like with his plays, because he has such big character descriptions for everybody. And then at the end of it says, oh, by the way, they're married to this person. Right. (laughs) I would have to screenshot the cast list 
so that when I was reading shit, I had to be like, okay, wait, who is this person again? Yeah. It's and almost this one... like a joke, right? It's sort of like the name of the Bolshevik that he cuts out of, um, uh, that, that was cut out of the series of Angels in America, where it's like, his name is insanely long. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like he, yeah, fifteen he's letters per gotta, word. Yeah. He's literally got to spell it out phonetically in the script it's for you to so get, for funny. them to get it. Yeah. Yeah. I um, feel yeah. like I need a class to understand all of the nuances of the script and even what happened. But I will say I have a page of one-liners, which I'm not going to read all of them. But like, I would read stuff in the script and be like, God damn, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean. It, you know, I think for me, the, the, the thread that doesn't quite work, Angels works because he builds these insane ideas around this core of characters that you, you care about. Not that you don't care about these characters, but they are far less accessible. And I think that's because he's trying to project himself into the Soviet Union, and, you know, in, uh, you know, in the era of perestroika and and well the rise of gorbachev and all because it covers right. five fucking years right like it's not like it, it, it's not a you know an afternoon in the park kind of well and all the shit that's happened in russia it's complicated and it's and insanely just, complicated yeah i feel like i need a fucking history class for this show and i yeah but it's yeah sorry scott i interrupted you no 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 i that that's the you know i i say let's move on you know basically it's it takes place uh between what 85 and 92 so it's the rise of gorbachev and the idea of i was about to say they're all just like covered in uh radioactivity yeah you that know. HBO series is the only show that I've ever watched where I was physically uncomfortable every single I loved that show. It. It's so good. So I've good. seen it five times. If you Jared haven't watched Harris it, everybody go watch man. it. He's sex in a bottle. I love him. <laughs> sex in Can a I... he's, a de- he's a dead radioactive cat. Oh, uh, go love... ahead, CJ. I, want to touch I, I just wanted to share. <laughs> just wanted to share two very short quotes from this show that just reminded me of right fucking now. One of them was, progressive people are the political enemy of God. <laughs> and then the okay. other one... Sure. The, <laughs> uh, the other, it's, what the, it's what the leader dude yells right before he dies. Yes. Um, and then the other Dictator. one is, um, everything is new now and everything is terrible. I agree with that. That's, well, I mean, that, that's in line with, I think, in the new century, everyone will be insane. I, well, and I just, I think another thing that is a common theme in his shows is, like, people have a real hard fucking time with change. Because to me, I heard that as a line of, like, the whole, like, make America great again thing. Like, everything is new and it's terrible. I hate it. I don't right. like change. Right. So, yeah. Woof. Um, Nothing changes everybody. That's what that show told me. Now you know. <laughs> um, next is uh, a debuk, a debuk, uh, which is Yiddish a ghost, right? Yiddish. Yes, I did not read it, and I didn't it was... either. But it made me think of the opening scene of A Serious Man, the Coen Brothers film, which is one of my <sighs> yes. favorite fucking movies of all time. Um, but the opening scene, it literally just says, I think the title card just says a debuk. And then okay. the whole thing is about like a an old ghost visiting an That's old right. Jewish family, and it's awesome. That's one cool. of their most underrated movies, by the way. 
Uh, in my top three Coen Brothers films, under oh. uh, if we're rating films tonight, uh, uh, under Oh Brother Where Art Thou, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know that I have a third one. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't. No, they're all great. Uh, Barton, all great. Fink, Barton Fink is. That's it. Actually, that's it. Barton Fink. Um, and then maybe all... Fargo. Maybe Fargo. Fargo's definitely up there. Miller's yes. Crossing. Fargo. <laughs> Miller's Crossing. The I like Miller's. Oh, um, Lester Scruggs was was good and interesting. Um, uh, anyway, <laughs> next up, so that was done in '97. Uh, a debuck uh, was done in '97, part of the um, uh, Joe Pat Public Theater stuff. Um, I there, I think they are launching um, fireworks in my neighborhood. Anyway, yeah. Next up, he does. Uh, next, also in 97, he does an adaptation um, uh, of The Good Person of Szechuan, Brecht, Good Person Ooh. of Szechuan. I yeah. would like to read that at some point. Um, he loves him some Brecht. He fucks with him later, too, with Mother Kirk. All right, keep going. Yeah, he does, um, uh, along with Eric Bogosian, he did a project called uh, Love's Fire, Seven New Plays Inspired by Seven Shakespearean Sonnets. Um, it's the suburbia dude, right? Yeah, and okay. talk radio. Um, and he was all of the big dude when I was in college. Everyone yeah. was doing suburbia scenes. Yeah. Um, all of his earlier stuff, most of Bogosian's earlier stuff. Oh, he's somebody we need to put on our list. I don't think he's on we our should. list. Yeah, Both. we should. We totally um, should. Add him because his early one-man stuff is pretty fucking extraordinary. I'd love to get into his shit. Yeah, and talk radio. I did talk radio in college. It was great. Yeah. Um Let's see. Um, then he does another project um, called uh, Terminating or Los Men. That was in. Oh, yeah. Read all the titles. <laughs> Les Mine, Schmerzen Nacht. Or. Verloren Sein or Ambivalence in Love's Fire. Take that, um, other languages. I did read this it's one. It's German, this one was... and I'm not particularly <laughs> strong with it. This was in Death and Taxes, uh, so I did read it. This one was short. It's actually uh, dedicated and about him terminating his own um, uh, psychoanalyst, his like own therapist, nice. right? So it's sort of him feeling like he had hit a place of understanding in his life where he didn't need that anymore. But uh, as a promotion to everyone, uh, CJ, you'll love this. We've been promoting this on every episode. Uh, everyone should get therapy. Uh, his whole point of, the, yes. of it is sort of like, once you hit that place where you're able to terminate uh, your psychotherapist or your, your analyst or whatever it may be, it um, is like a really beautiful big day. And uh, it's sort of dedicated to his, his, um, his therapist. So that, that was pretty cool. Nice. Um, that was an interesting one. Next anyway. up is um, Henry Box Brown, um, which don't he, it. I don't know it either. He did it for the National Theater in London in 1998. Um, so I really want to find it. Next one I did read. I got through it and uh, it just, uh, it just didn't, of course, it's loaded with you know, these great lines and, and it's, it's thoughtful and i I'm not going to disparage it in any way. It just, it was purely a heady, like trying to get through it kind of thing. And that's Homebody Cabal. Uh, oh, yeah. And, I didn't read Yeah. That. He did it in um, 2001. It, it, it's 
So here's the description taken as a prophetic cultural close-up of life in pre-9-11 Afghanistan. And the, the, yeah, the play starts out with basically an hour-long monologue by this British woman. And then she disappears. Now, the opening monologue is pretty mm. extraordinary. And when yeah. you read reviews, like they, they talk you know, like, oh my God, like it's so gripping and uh, the performances are great. Then she disappears. And then it's about her family, like her husband and her daughter in Afghanistan, um, searching for her. And there's 800 things going on. Um, you know, he plays a lot with structure within it. And, you know, it's another one where the critics were like, this is a three and a half hour drama. Uh, <laughs> That he apparently cut down from four. Um, His lame is. Yeah. And um, it was really, that was the one. um, I guess that the, I think I read a review and somebody used the word cold and that's how it came out. And Uh, it was the first time that I'm like, oh, this, this seems purely like a head exercise for him. Mm. So I didn't connect to anything. It was just these ideas kind of, and I'm like, you know, I'm not going to hate on it because it's, it's, it's still smart stuff, but um, unless anybody else has comments, we can move on. Move on. <laughs> Next is Caroline or change. We should I talk would, about that. I would like to talk about this carefully for five minutes if we can. Yep. Okay. Uh, first of all, like, <laughs> Technically, is it? There's no text in it. Is it really just a musical, or is it an opera or an operetta? It's an operetta. It's yeah. a more opera than anything. It was actually originally intended to be an opera, and then when the person who was supposed to compose it sort of pulled out and was like, ah, "I don't really want to do that," um, he ended up approaching approaching Janine Tesori to write it as more of a musical, and then they ended up just setting all of the text. So it's kind of like a stylistic choice to call it a musical. Sure. Hold on one second. My cat is running out the door. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. Jesus loves you more than you can know. Whoa, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Beige. Oh, also oh. Um, Sorry. To piggyback um, off of what? Janine Tessery, Tessori. Tessori. I lo- Violet is one of my favorite musicals of all time. So one like, of my favorite musicals of all time. I have only heard it one time. I need to circle back to that. It's great. I um, was in it in college. <gasps> oh, um, you were the dad, and right? if I could drop a little bit of a, of a sort of... Um, egotistical kind of uh, moment here. I was in a production uh, in the second school that I went to uh, where I got my BFA, where there was a uh, sort of call out to old alumni to come back and direct things. And we got a call back from uh, Stephen Copel, who is the roundabout theater uh, casting director. And he went to Wichita State, which is where I got my BFA. And he said, it was a big musical theater program. And he said, hey, we're trying out a new script of Janine Tesori's Violet before we put it mm. up with Sutton Foster. We want to try it out at a college first. Can we come and do it at Wichita State? 
So I got to be in the first ever, like, sort of redo of Violet because it had come <gasps> out years before. Oh, and yeah. uh, it was like the mid and, or late 90s. I yeah. Think. And so all of the roundabout crew came down and saw Audrey McDonald's uh, agent was there. Like, all these really oh, incredible nice. people came and saw it. And, um, I ended up getting a fucking job offer out of that where they were like, come be our reader for auditions and think, but I wanted to move to LA instead of New York, things like that. But it was a really big moment for me. I fell in love with that script and that, um, that score deeply. And I started learning more about Tesori. Now Tesori did the score to Thoroughly Modern Millie, okay. uh, which has its own uh, racial problems, but that's not her fault. Uh, she didn't write the, you know, the she book or anything. The she just composed it. Yeah. Um, but she also did um, Violet, which I love. And then she also wrote the music to um, uh, Shrek, the musical. That's right. Uh, um, which right. is uh, actually all of it is very catchy. Um, I don't love the book by David Lindsay of Bear of all people, who by the way wrote like Rabbit Hole and like Devil Inside and all these. Cr- like, why hmm. is he writing the Shrek musical? And it's huh. it's terrible. But um, but the music is great. And um, she also did uh, this Carolina Change and Carolina Change is a big part of musical theater history. It's a big, like, I mean, it's recent, but it is just, it's a staple now. It holds its place. Um, and I think it is very, it walks that line. And I think this is what you mean by talk about it carefully, CJ, is that it walks that interesting line where it is written by two Jewish Americans, but it's obviously more about the sort of plight of the of of pre-civil rights era um black maids right Mm -hmm. and this woman specifically who works for a jewish family and it's it's based on kind of autobiographical it is right it's based on his own um an actual thing that happened in his uh life and in his situation with the maid that he had growing up and i even though I think there's a huge conversation to be had about who should be telling the stories of certain people, right? And, mm-hmm. like, who has the right to do that. Um, I would argue that this does it in a way that's so purely out of love and never trying to speak for uh-huh. her and more so speak to the time and speak to the feelings that he was feeling about her and that he knew she was going through. Um, and I am a huge fan of this musical. I would love to hear what you guys think. I I feel like I need to see it. There was something... I listened to the original cast recording, and I, I, I didn't get it. Did you and listen I, to it and read it at the same time? Yeah, kind of. Okay. Um, that's and it might have been my time, time and place, and, and, and I, I sort of... It, it was the only one of the plays that we read for for this sh- this episode that I was like, mm, I, I don't know if I want to comment on it. And maybe it's because of the subject matter. And mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I feel like I need to go through it all over again. Yeah. And that I maybe need to see it. Um, well, because I, I mean, tried to you listen should definitely to look up. The, there's a uh, Broadway actually. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, what's it called? A uh, like a, a bootleg of it um, on YouTube that you should check out. That's like one. Okay. Of, I think it's may, might be the Toronto cast, but it's still it's the Broadway cast. Even so, as I think it's the same people, but it's uh, incredible. And they do this thing that uh, theatrically that really excites me, um, where they um, 
all of the appliances that are singing the washer, the dryer, the mm-hmm. bus, these things. This was Which a question are, uh, of mine. Right. Yeah. There on stage as an appliance. And then above them is another level where people are standing and singing as these things. And they um, are, they're basically, the best way to compare it is to like if you know like once on this island where like the gods are up above singing down to the people but the people can't necessarily see them Hmm. they're just okay they're talking to the machine but the machine has a voice coming up above it and actually reminded me of a production of little shop of horrors that i saw at kansas city which has its own whole crazy story behind it about like people that i still know now that were involved with it uh blah, blah 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 but it's uh the they made the choice of putting the voice of the plant of Audrey too in a suit the guy who playing it and putting him up on another level with the band and he sang into an old timey micro like tin can microphone and acted with the puppet as the puppet did what it Mm. did and Mm. it was a whole new level of little shop i hadn't ever thought of and i loved it and it's it's pretty pretty fantastic i love that kind of stuff yeah 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 um yeah i so i'm i'm reserving uh my views on Caroline or change for right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> like I said, I, I kind of listened to it and read it and I'm like this, I don't have this. I don't, I don't, I was either too distracted or not, not, not into it. I, you know, but I, uh, I'm, I'm not bothered by the voices telling the story. Uh, I just don't know if I if I got a hold of it enough to to comment on it. Siege agreed. I I felt the same way. Yeah, yeah. like I there's the music is beautiful. Um, the story is interesting. Um, but yeah, I just that I need to I need to spend more time with it too because I I loved the way that you described how they handled the appliances because I remember reading I was like there's a singing washing machine. I love all like, that stuff. Yeah. Oh, do you? I yeah. I just uh, it just seemed a little yeah. But that's interesting because that was my thing. It was like okay, I can listen to it and I can read it, but I've never seen it before. Right. right. So you I was actually up, reaching look up the out. YouTube. Okay, cool. I was actually reaching out to people and said, "Have you ever worked on this? Do you you know? Have you ever seen it?" Because I have a few friends who I'm have not done familiar it. with. Yeah, I've had a few friends who've done it on Broadway who I've been really proud of. Christiani Pitts uh, specifically is one who did it. She uh, actually was also the original lead uh, actress in King Kong the musical that was up oh, on cool. Broadway a few a while back. Uh, she and I were in Billy Elliot together in Wichita. She's fantastic, but she is. Uh, uh, she's done it and a few other people and Audra McDonald, I know, uh, mm-hmm. did a role in this, uh, in the revival. She it's, it's, it's a show that, um, basically Kushner and Tesori were sort of given license in a way by the community to, to write. Like, I, I, I don't think there's ever been a, a, any sort of protest against this show as like, it's written okay. by the wrong people or anything. I think because it's also too, uh, subculture some you know I mean it's also two um, unheard kind of uh, suppressed voices in right. uh, them being American uh, Jewish American people um, I think it there's a little bit of like a yeah but you did it so well that we give it to you and you also did it so well with Belize and you also did it so well you know and mm-hmm. so I think there's a there's a, a piece of it to that 
Um, okay. But also just uh, its its roles for African American uh, actors, and that mm-hmm. more than here anything, here, <laughs> you know, yeah, and yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. more than anything is I think what what solidifies it and 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 makes it um, something that people keep producing and and feeling like is a big opportunity giver because. Yes, they wrote it, and, but if if the community feels like it is saying what it's supposed to be saying and the cause is being met, then I'm all for it. Right know? on. Yeah. Cool. Um, but I'm a big Moving fan. On. Of story, big fan of Kushner. And yeah, yeah. Keep going. Um, next up, he does his <laughs> translation with liberties, quote end quote, but purportedly not an adaptation of Breck's Mother Courage and Her Children. Um, which... There's a great documentary on the uh, creation of the original production of this with Meryl Streep. With and Meryl Streep really... and Kevin Klein. Yes, yes. Um, it's yeah, good doc. It's, uh, yeah, it's a really great doc. Yeah, check it out. Um, next, we get to The Intelligent Homosexual's Guide to Capitalism and Socialism with a key to the scriptures. Um, which Can is I done... give an opening statement about that? Yeah. Uh, first of all, the longest fucking play of all time. And I, I honestly, I say that over Angels in, in America, even though it's like 300 pages last. It took me so long to read that play. Yeah. So, I got so to page 183. Oh, shit. Yeah. I, finished it. Though, I finished it. I oh, good. finished it. I, yes. What's in the leather case? What's in it? I'm not going to say. I don't want to ruin anything. Let me it. say okay. this, though. Let it's, me say this, though. It is, to me, it is Kushner's Arthur Miller play. Oh. However, it is two hours too long. <laughs> it is well, and he 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 said Miller in the interview that he wanted to he that he was intentionally writing his living room drama. You know, it's I I wanted to call it a long day's journey into the intelligent homosexuals guy. Exactly, <laughs> Eugene, no, it's, Eugene it's, O'Neill and Americana, like because it's Miller and O'Neill like, fucking each other. It's the four hour long O'Neill with the Arthur Miller like sensibility. It is pure, yeah, yeah exactly. And so much, and I think that the hard thing about reading it was that there's so much overlapping dialogue and yes, uh, you know, somebody talking to somebody while this conversation is going on over here. And did it, I was back just, in the fucking top girls situation yeah. where I was like, this uh, yeah. is too hard to is read. This Churchill? <laughs> yeah. I need, yeah, to I would, I would literally roughly every four or five pages, I would go back half a page and kind of go, what, what, um, you know, that being said, I, I, I got into it. Um, to a point, and then there's some stuff I don't understand. I don't understand the character of Eli, um, the hustler, the 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 hustler that went to Yale, and I'm like, what? What are you? What? What are you doing with this? Like, okay, he's a hustler and he's smart, but yeah, I don't. I I, what kind of background do you have to have to get into Yale? Like, and then like, <laughs> and then. Um, I liked all the family characters. Empty was especially, yeah, um, yeah. was especially cool. And uh, Pill is clearly Kushner again in a lot of ways. You can see him working. Mm. He's very much Lewis. Like you can see a lot of Lewis from Angels elements in him sure. throughout. Yeah. Um, and then, um, and then Gus, the character of Gus, is was the thing that kept me into the play in the play like i wanted to see where he went you here's the here's the kicker you don't know what he's gonna do at the end he's got everything everything's set up at the end for him to 
All right, fine. I'm going to finish it. I'm going to finish suicide. it. To commit suicide. And then Eli shows up, and this, the final scene is with him and, and Gus. And I'm like, what? What? Who's? What? Boy, okay. And so, you know, it's... um. I liked it. I I liked it, and yeah. and you know, again, I I don't think that I don't think you, you know, I'll I'd love to see a production of it. Um, that's no, oh, I think maybe that says something. I would love to see this actualized. I would I think too. It, I think it could be because uh, some hey, of the some of the scenes are electrifying with all those. Drink th- a large fam- coffee before you. Don't go. no, don't drink any coffee beforehand because you'll want to pee. You can't, <laughs> yeah, you can't get up. You can't go hours. pee. That's right. Um, shall we that's and that's the his, his most recent one he's got stuff he's working on apparently he's working on a play about Trump now whatever that means Ooh. you know what I mean like huh. like and, and all that but um, oh, I should say too that uh, Intelligent uh, Homosexuals Guide um, uh, originated at the Guthrie in Minneapolis uh, in 2009 oh sure um, Oh, that was the one, uh, the, any good theater in Minneapolis these days? Was that the opening line? Yeah, I just thought that was interesting that the first line, while we're dealing with all this Minneapolis bullshit, um, it was just like, the first line was like, hey, any good theater in Minneapolis? And it hit me in a weird, fucked up way. Yeah. Um, Hey, do we want to wrap stuff up? Like, we've gotten through all the plays. We've talked about the movies and... um, Tony Kushner, everybody, like that fucking was, uh, Tony Kushner. Uh, I mean, one thing the I, dude's last... a genius, and he's 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 an American treasure. Rereading Angels was so oh yeah inspiring to me, and so like also devastating in the sense of man, I don't, I th- th- I'll never achieve anything like this because it's just he's. He's so yeah, so well researched. It makes me and... sad as a writer a little bit. Where yeah, I'm like, oh, I'll never hit that level. I'm it's how Donald that. Glover makes me feel. I'm like, I'm yeah. too old. I'm too old. <laughs> no, he makes me feel the same way. Where I'm just like, I will never be as smart as you. Like you, you <laughs> I will never comprehend. A couple things I wanted to say real quick because I only took like four notes for this entire podcast and I didn't say fucking any of them. So I just wanted to say this real quick. First of all, there would be no Hades Town without Carolina Change. Here, here. Okay, Ooh, I all see right. that. I all see right. that. Uh, uh, also, Tesori wrote the music uh, and I believe lyrics for the show Soft Power, which was at the Amundsen a few yes. years ago. Yes, yes. Which was, that was a big was deal. Amazing. It was won a lot of It was written by, it was like one of the first big things I saw here, and it was written by David David Henry Huang, who's on our fucking mm-hmm. list. Um, and he wrote uh, things like M. Butterfly and things like that. He's, in, he's phenomenal. He's on our list of playwrights that we're going to be doing. Uh, and she also did, uh, you know, Mulan 2. So yeah. um, um, anyway, I want to hear really, really, really quickly just one uh, uh, dream roll from each of you, and then I wouldn't <sighs> mind a top three. Uh, so let's do it super quickly. One dream roll, go. Scott. Oh, man. Dream roll, okay, would be Belize. I, I couldn't ever. <laughs> I, I obviously could imaginary world, ima- yeah. yeah, and if it's a dream world, then it would be Belize because I just think that that, yeah. that thread, that character, that, that moral ground and the ability to observe and deliver the truth in brutally brutally wrapped little packages of of glitter i just um and i'm also just uh, infatuated with jeffrey wright i think that performance is great agreed Um, uh, but uh, cj mine is oh yeah go ahead cj harper or roy Cohn. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Mine is Lincoln. Uh, no, mine <laughs> is uh, mine is Roy for sure. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, just yeah, one yeah, that yeah, I, yeah. I know in like 30 years I'm gonna like literally be actively pursuing that. <laughs> Trying like, to do who that. Who is yeah. putting this up? We need to yeah. put me in it. Uh, yeah. Uh, so that's how I feel. Uh, give me a top three. Go, Scott. Go. Um. Uh. Angels Millennium, Angels Perestroika, and then um Is that one two? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um and then um I I, I You can include the movies. Um I n- no, I, I I think that the intelligent uh homosexuals guide was uh, stuck with me. Cool. Siege? Uh three intelligent homosexuals guide, which I'm gonna finish. Um, and then uh, one would be New Millennium, or two would be New Millennium, and one would be Perestroika. Uh, number three would be one I totally forgot to talk about, uh, which was the reverse transcription, uh, which is mm. six playwrights bearing a seventh. Uh, it's a 10-minute play that's nearly 20 minutes long. It was done for the Humanifest. I'm a huge Humanifest guy. Oh, that's right. Guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, totally forgot about that one. I'm sorry we didn't talk about it, but that's my number three. Number two is Millennium Approaches. Number one is Perestroika. I fucking love Perestroika. Uh, Anyway, so I feel like we have done the justice of Kushner. Obviously, we could talk about him fucking all day, but uh, we're going to do a little list for you of things. uh, uh, L.A. Spotlight here. I don't have any of them listed except one. I got it. I got it. Go for it. it. I'm ready. I'm ready. L.A. Spotlight. This is is not certainly everything that's happening right now, but in the L.A. theater scene stuff. more. Here's stuff that's happening. Astro Glide 2020. Um, yeah. <laughs> CJ. Um, uh, it's live uh, live theater from uh, Zombie Joe's Underground, June 5th through 22nd, 8.30 Love p.m. Love me some Zombie Joe's. Here, here. Uh, it's, a, <laughs> it's a Facebook event uh, and on Twitch. Um, we got Nathan C. Jones, A Love Story, is being presented on YouTube by the Blank Theater Company. It premiered as a live stream on May 28th and is going through July 4th. It stars Amir Levy, Sacred Woo! Fools member, based yes. on an idea. Who by also Amir. played, yeah, he also played uh, Basil in the uh, the titular character in Basil and Dick, a uh, show yeah. that was second Play place to three guys on Groupon. Oh, sorry, you're right, Dick. I don't know my yeah. own show. Go ahead. <laughs> no. um, book, book is by Vanessa Claire Stewart. Yeah, company, Sacred Fools Company member. Um, music is by Brendan Milburn. Woo-hoo. Lyrics by Milburn and Stewart. It is directed by Daniel Henning, who's the artistic director of The Blank, and he's an awesome dude. Uh, check it out on YouTube. Love subscribe The Blank. To, yeah, subscribe to The Blank's um, theater channel on YouTube. Uh, from Sacred Fools, we've got We the People, which will be live streaming Thursday, June 18th at 7 p.m. Uh, we the People is a social conscious uh, activist theater project that seeks to engage a diverse group of people with a diverse group of artists. Uh, this show's theme, uh, this show's theme uh, prompt, if you will, for this episode of this show is domestic tranquility. Mm. Um, this, uh, and the performance is gonna benefit uh, the Bale Project, um, bailout project the, yes uh it focuses uh uh to prevent incarceration and combat racial and economic disparities in the bail system you can find yeah. out more about the um uh we the people live stream at sacredfools.org or by following we the people on facebook or wherever you may get your social media um we have the celebration theater is celebrating pride uh and lgbtq Woo. theater 
That's happening now through June 14th. So if you hit, listen to this after June 14th, you can Which still you go will to, because this drops on June 14th. Where, <laughs> uh, uh, you can still go to celebrationtheater.com uh, and give what? them some money. Yeah. Um, Support prize uh, in that. Also, yeah. March on Pride because March, uh, March, uh, we're marching on June 15th, I believe is the day, or 14th. I can't remember. 14th what is uh, Sunday. 14th. Yeah. We're all marching uh, in LA uh, to, uh, rather than a legitimate Pride festival. We're doing our own march. It's going to be beautiful. Uh, if you're local, please join in. Uh, cool. Is there anything else spotlighty we got? Uh, we, we have got one other Sacred Fools thing. Go for it. Um, it's, it's coming up on July 6th. I don't know yeah. how official it is, but we're going to go ahead and announce it anyway. Uh, it's sure. called Na- Naked Storytelling. Warning, writers will expose themselves uh, in this Zoom storytelling event hosted by Joe Hernandez-Kolsky, Sacred Fools member. Love uh, Joe. Writer, writers share intimate, truthful tales from their own experience based on a monthly theme. Um, price of uh, admission is a donation that will split between Sacred Fools and a rotation of other Los Angeles theater companies. Um, it'll be live streamed um, on the first Monday of every month, starting July 6th. Come get naked with us. Um, and that's where we're at. We should also give our big shout outs to uh, Ryan Thomas Johnson for our Oh, theme come song. on. Let me do the fucking ending for once. God damn. Thank you for joining us for our episode on Tony Kushner. We'll be back next week to discuss the works of, wait, fuck, who's next Durang. week? Durang. Durang. Christopher, ring, 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 ring. Yeah, that'll be fun as fuck. Uh, we'll be back next week to discuss him. Thank you to everyone, including Brian Thomas Johnson for our incredible theme at the beginning. Pamela Quinn for our uh, our song that takes place in between and at the song. end of our, yeah, whatever you want to call it. We'll um, outro with it. Yes, we will. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, hit us up on Gmail. If we have ever said anything incorrectly, if we've said anything that just feels wrong, if you want to argue with us, if you want to debate us, if you want to suggest a playwright, hit us up on our Gmail. Or correct us. Or correct us. If we are being politically incorrect, we want to know because we're trying to educate ourselves right now, yo. So yeah. let us know. Uh, and uh, as always, Black Lives Matter. Amplify melanated voices. Support black businesses. We love you all. Peace out. Take care, y'all. They're in your light. They're in your love. They're in the skies. They come from above. You're hurting now, I know. And one day you'll have to go. They'll be there. Oh, they'll be there They know your struggles and they know your pain They flow in you, they flow through your veins You've reached the end you fear The end it may be near And I'll be there Oh, I'll be there Love's a disease